So I wanted to talk a little bit more about mindfulness um, because we haven't gone into it in depth as a community and talk about the two different aspects of mindfulness, general comprehension and bare attention. Just to acknowledge again and again and again that uh, the heart of these teachings uh, centers around cultivating the quality of mindfulness. And that's expressed in the foundational teachings or sutta, which is the, um, the teach, uh, another name for the teachings of the Buddha written down and recorded, are the four foundations of mindfulness. And there are many, many different ways the Buddha spoke of mindfulness. And this is um, uh, uh, one of the pillars of this practice. And uh, so he goes into mindfulness in some length. And in the sutta, he breaks down mindfulness into these two aspects. And um, Ruth, my teacher, really emphasized the... Uh, our teacher, for some of us, um, emphasized general comprehension as a very important aspect of mindfulness. And general comprehension understands the purpose of what we're doing. So it's not just like we're zeroing in on the details of the breath. Only it is that we understand why we are. So it has the purpose in each moment of consciousness there is that understanding of the purpose of what we're doing. And just to make a link then to last night is, you know, as we understand the lineage holding of awakening, we understand that our purpose is to carry that and to manifest that as part of this Eon um, uh, uprising of the beautiful factors, and it's held in general comprehension. I know what I'm doing. That's one way to. That's one way to um, to name it. The other part that general comprehension. Um, plays a role in is the understanding of whether what we're doing is wholesome or unwholesome. So, for example, if we were a band of thieves, we could bring a lot of attention and concentration and energy to working out a plan to steal from Bank of America. <laughs> And that would, that would be some of the qualities, um, except for, that, that um, the Buddha has listed, except for that they are garnered towards what is unwholesome. And so, I'll talk more about that later. But so, it might feel like we are like, this is my feeling and I need to share it. Right? And I'm being mindful 
and paying attention and this is my feeling and so I'm going to communicate it and I'll even start with an I sentence. But what's the purpose? Just what is the purpose of that? Just to really check in. And then the Buddha asks us, is it suitable right now? Is this a suitable thing? That is, is, will it contribute towards good conditions for ourselves and for others? Is it appropriate? And he uses that also in relationship to speech. Is it appropriate? So general comprehension is a really, then we can see, a very important aspect. And um, Thich Nhat Hanh was was amazing in this teaching because in a three-month retreat I did um, with him in Plum Village, the, oh, maybe it was a two, when I was there for two months. Anyway, whenever I was there, I there like four times, and it was one of those times. Some of the nuns took a car to go shopping, and he heard about it, and he brought them in to the morning service. And he was extremely strong in his critique of what they did. And he spoke about this, about what was the purpose of you going into town using resources of Plum Village? Was it because you just wanted to have fun? You didn't need to go into town. Did you check with the cooks to see they really needed the food that you bought? It, it was intense. They had to bow down in front of the whole community and ask for forgiveness. It really, none of us forgot that. It was intense. It was this very deep teaching on the suitability and the purpose of whatever you're doing. And especially, you know, because if you're ordained, how you're using the resources of the community. I am aware, driving around by myself a lot, going to teachings here and there and flying, how much of the resources of the earth, of the larger community I'm using. And, and um, I just want to acknowledge that. In fact, the Buddha said, because um, they keep thinking it sways in the end on the wholesome, to always an inquiry, But the Buddha said, even if you know it's wrong, it's better than you know it's wrong and do it, than do it and not know that it isn't appropriate, wholesome, suitable, and according to your wider purpose. Because if you know it's wrong, there's the field in which you can correct it. But if you don't know, it's... um, if you don't know it isn't suitable, then there's no way to um, correct it. <coughs> so, you know, so then what I love about, what I love about this when we talk about do I know what I'm doing and why am I doing it, it calls forth energy and effort. That alertness, which is an expression of effort, which really brightens mindfulness and is an important part of mindfulness. That that is that that wisdom 
is part of those moments of consciousness where mindfulness is present and infuse the mindfulness. Because often mindfulness is taught as mindfulness-based stress reduction and it's taught as a stand-alone practice. But in the Dharma, it isn't a standalone practice at all. It is held in this wider context of general comprehension and what's ethical, purposeful, and suitable. And in fact, there are many teachers now who teach mindfulness only as part of the five powers. Those are, they don't teach it separately from that, which is to say mindfulness is always taught in the context of faith and um, energy and wisdom and uh, concentration. And that it's wisdom, that's another way to say it, that general comprehension is an aspect of wisdom and it keeps um, um, uh, aligning mindfulness in accordance with what is wholesome and awakening. And then, um, let's see, I might not have enough time to say everything here. I did want to say one other thing about the difference between mindfulness and attention, because those of you have heard me speak of um, the breakdown of consciousness and the seven mental factors that are always present in every moment of consciousness, right? Uh, contact and feeling and um, uh, perception and a basic form of concentration or focus and attention. And it's really interesting because Joseph Goldstein um, really helped me to clarify the difference between a basic kind of attention and mindfulness. I'm just saying this another way around really helps to clarify which is we sometimes know when we're driving we kind of know we're driving but you know that sense of I know it but I couldn't actually tell you what I've passed Mm -hmm. you know which cars have passed me and sometimes it's that sense of I know I'm driving but where am I Mm -hmm. that's the basic form of attention working so that in those moments of consciousness they're seeing and there's a basic form of attention. Mindfulness isn't that. When we know we're angry and we're caught in the storyline and we know it, that isn't mindfulness, that's attention. Mindfulness is characterized in that it is always associated with the wholesome mind states. So when the knowing is not caught, non-judgmental, infused with general comprehension, and is um, connected deeply to the experience, that's mindfulness. And it's really helpful to make that distinction. Because sometimes we think we're being mindful, but we're totally caught in, we're totally caught in a whole, like, we're caught. We're triggered, we're caught, right? And we think, oh, I'm being mindful, I know it. But that isn't mindfulness if we're caught. 
And so when we see we know it and we're caught, then it's like, how can I bring in? So it gives us a path. How can I bring in the beautiful qualities to support me to hold this experience? Because if we think we're holding it, then, there's, then it's like, wow, I'm stuck and there's nowhere to go. So there is a basic distinction between the mindfulness that is in the wholesome, is part of the wholesome qualities and the five powers and the basic attention of knowing that um, doesn't have the capacity to penetrate into the experience or to actually even understand it. It doesn't have that capacity. So, you know, so when we talk about this mindfulness, it really, it isn't superficial, it isn't like a boomerang which knows it and then skids off. But the mindfulness that we're talking about comes fully into relationship with what the experience is. Another way of saying it is that it penetrates into the object, if you like that kind of yang expression, that the mind is turned towards the object, confronts it, and penetrates it. That's, uh, that's the one particular way for those of us who resonate with that language. Another is that we make connection with, we come into relationship with the experience, and it's held. It's held in this presence, this non-judgmental, friendly presence. And in that holding or penetration and confrontation, whichever you language or both together, then that becomes the conditions for seeing clearly the laws that bring about awakening, which is anicca, dukkha, and anatta, impermanence, unsatisfactoriness, and emptiness. <clears throat> I just to um, acknowledge over and over that this quality only arises in the moment. We have to be present for it to arise. And, and it is an expression of being present when there are the wholesome qualities in the mind. And um, then I wanted to just read uh, um, what the Buddha says about the beginning of mindfulness. It's, you know, it's, uh, it's so interesting that he talks about cows because cows are sacred in the Hindu religion. But anyway, he says, Now, suppose a cowherd wanted to tame a wild calf that had been reared on a wild cow's milk. He would take it away from the cow and tie it up apart with a rope to a stout post dug into the ground. Then the calf might dash to and fro but being unable to get away, it would eventually sit down or lie down by the post. So too, when a bhikkhu wants to tame their mind, which has long been spoilt by being reared on sights, sounds, tastes, thoughts, food, drink, etc., etc., um, then 
One would bring it into the forest or to the root of a tree or to an empty place, tie it up there to the post of in-breath and out-breath with the rope of mindfulness. And so that mind might then dash to and fro when it no longer gets the object it was formerly used to, but being unable to break the rope of mindfulness and get away, it sits down, lies down by that object under the influence of access and absorption. So, um, uh, I wanted to read that because in the interview yesterday people were saying, my mind is all over the place. That's a great wisdom to acknowledge that our mind's all over the place and that the taming of the wild mind that has no stability is like this is like tying our minds to this rope of mindfulness and containing it and containing it and containing it, coming back, coming back, coming back until the mind begins to settle and stabilize. And then when it stepples and stabilizes, it becomes very malleable and soft and it can be penetrated by mindfulness. And that's when insight begins to take place. Okay, let's practice being mindful.